Okay, so most of you have seen these pamphlets. It says wealth at the top, and then there are areas that uh, you can donate into. So we believe, in, and that's also what that business meeting is about, that we are not only called to have an impact within the four walls of the church. In other words, we want you to be discipled. We want you to have great worship. We want you to sit comfortably. We want you to have coffee. Yes, we want you to come in for counseling. We want to do encounters. We want to serve the community of believers in a big way, but also we know that we need to get outside of the four walls of the city. So these are organizations that we've identified that if you give one rand to them, you get three rands for the kingdom. And I know there's many more organizations. We even have guys from Ethnos. They're also doing amazing work within the city. But these are the organizations that we've chosen for, for next year. Um, so Dion is standing in front. We're going to talk about him a little later now. And then uh, I just want to, if you can take this, I know some of you think, oh, I don't have money. I'm not going to give anything. But hey, I'm going to challenge you to look into sowing into these organizations that will actually bring about a harvest of souls, people being disciples. So one is work for a living. They basically fostering 1,500 kids in our poorer communities. That's through education, through, sorry, what did I say? Sorry, life community services. Um, and uh, you can sponsor one of those kids for 350 rand a month, okay? You, you sign up, you say, hey, I want to do that. It's tax deductible, so they're Section 18A organization. And then work for a living, you know them. It's uh, uh, Walter and Ina Richards. They are not only in George, they're in Sierra Langenhoven, but also in 18 Nations. So we want to help them, support them, get people to work, get people um, jobs so that people can make a living, so that people can have food on the table. Then we also have a body serve account, and you'll see that on our announcements, on the notices. And that is a special account that we, uh, that people can donate money into. Even if you have a family that you want to support, but you don't want to know them, you don't, uh, you want, you don't want them to, uh, to know that you are sending money to them. So you want to give money to my son, but you don't want my son to know that you're giving money to them, so to him, and then you send it through the body serve account. So we want to support families that are um, in need. And please also, if you know of people in our church that are suffering financially, please let us know. We want to help. And then lastly, also missionary fund. So last year we could support a little Rico and Yana that went to Mozambique. Where are they? Dasuzela. And maybe... Maybe in 2022 or 2023, they're going to go again, but then we just need to raise funds for a new car because that Jeep didn't do too well there in Mozambique. Eh? Rico? But you get the dialogues. Okay. But that's also for uh, Sabrina Horn with the local motion team. They're doing great work. And then Dion over here, he's our next youth coach. So we took him to the so the principal of Otoniqua, and the principal of Otoniqua said he looks like a great guy. We're going to allow him to be a youth coach full-time at Otoniqua. And then one day a week, he can go to another other school. So he might go and visit Glenwood or York High. So we are looking for influence in the school. So Yodi over there, she did a great job. The principal just said... 
And uh, so our youth is growing, the influence under our youth is growing. By the way, that's one of the areas in South Africa that's the most unreached. You don't have to go to a nation, you can just go to any kind of youth, kids environment. Those are the most unreached people in our communities. I think I've shared this year, my, Eva said in a class, the teacher asked, who of you are still going to church? And less than five people in a very conservative primary school in George said, we're going to church. Only five kids in a class of 35. Okay, so it's an unreached people group. And uh, we want to send Dion in there as a missionary. So Dion's just going to tell you a little bit about himself. I've only got three minutes. So, hi everyone. Um, welcome. It's nice to be here <coughs> again. Uh, sorry, I got something in my throat. <coughs> All right. It's not nerves. I've done this this morning twice. So, I'm going to do this in English again. Um, but yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, I'm not as old as I look but I'm not as young as I feel. <laughs> so uh, when I was a younger lighty, I was, uh, well, I was born in Durban, but I grew up in, uh, on the West Coast. And I grew up in a family that served the Lord, you know. And I thought, hey, my parents know the Lord. It's cool. So I'll be fine. I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> Biggest mistake ever. Um, so I went off the rails, like, quite bad. But I'm not, I won't go into details. One day I'll share my testimony, hopefully. And um, so... Two and a half years ago, I gave my life to the Lord. The Lord lit, actually, the Lord just, what did you say for He just gave me a, like a club, yeah. So um, my, my whole life changed, and I found Jesus. Like, he literally just changed my life. And uh, my heart for these young oaks and girls, it was just, it's just, just find Jesus. So if Jesus wants to use me in that school or any school or on the street or wherever, then I'm here, you know, like, like just use me. Um, I asked the Lord for, for word yesterday and this morning, and he gave me Deuteronomy 3.28 where Moses, where the Lord actually tells Moses to tell Joshua, that is the next generation, right? Joshua went into the promised land. He said, strengthen them and encourage them. And that's exactly what we need to do with the youth. We need to encourage them, we need to strengthen them and tell them, listen, the real way, the truth and the life is Jesus. So that's my heart. Amen. So if, if you are part of the youth here or you're involved in the youth, I, I want you to really consider giving, even if it's 10 rand a month towards um, Dion's salary. Because what we're going to do is he is not only he's not only going to be a youth coach, but he's actually also a music teacher. So he's a drummer, so he's cool, but he can basically play all the other instruments also. <laughs> and we're going to trust that God raise up a, a new generation. So it's also it's a amplified organization. Um, I'm one of the directors. So we have youth coaches in Stellenbosch, in Polruer, Stellenbosch High School, Blumov, also Rhenish, also in Paul. Um, I'm not sure about the specific schools there. So we are trusting that the Lord will take people into the schools and meet the kids where they are at. Okay, so uh, please, it's tax deductible, 18A, uh, section 18A. So um, we put on a, at least 15 grand a month for Dion because um, he's married and he has a, has, a, has a kid also. Okay, so Dion, please come and stand here. We want to pray for you. Luke, where are you? Luke's not here. 
He disappeared. Where's Rikus? Rikus comes, but for. Let's extend our hands and let's pray for him. as you can come. Because let's give a big hand to Yoda. She, she turned 30 last week, Wednesday, mm. and she's done amazing work. Lord, we thank you for the open doors that we have with youth in George. Lord, thank you that schools and principals are asking for us to get into the schools and to help them with discipling their kids, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, for, for Otaniqua. Thank you for the work that Yodia has done. Thank you for Glenwood. Thank you for York. Thank you for all the other schools, Lord. Thank you for... Um, just that you want to use and disciple the, the youth, Lord. And we just say yes to that call. We say yes, Lord, and we send Dion in. And with the favor of the Lord, Lord, I'm in trust for a big harvest in terms of discipling kids and even teachers, Lord. Thank you that he will have a massive influence also under, under the teachers in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great. Great, so what I want you to do now is you're going to find one person in your row and two people in a row before you, in front of you, or behind you, and you're going to ask or you're going to answer this question. If God gives you a billion rand right now, one nine zeros rand, what will you do? Okay, one nine zeros rand, what will you do? You're not allowed to only mingle with the people in the same row as you. You need to turn around. So only four people in a group, four or five, if you want to push the boundaries. What will you do with a billion rand? Okay, let's start the conversation. Okay, you have 10 seconds to spend the last bit of your billion, else it's going to go to the pastor. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. By the way, this is a this is a great exercise. You, you can't pray about you can't pray about money and not plan to do what, not plan to actually do what you're gonna do with your your money. Okay, so you have to we have to start thinking about this. We're gonna read about it. We read a scripture in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a book that was written to the Israelites while they were still in the desert. They were on their way to the promised land, but God was telling them to start doing the principles because once that blessing come, the principles must be ready be in place. It must be a disciplined lifestyle because blessing is one of the things that will corrupt you. If you, go and, if you want to find out about that, go and study people that have won the lottery. Their lives end up in a mess. Why? Because they didn't expect they maybe wanted it, but they didn't expect, didn't plan for the blessing to come. So it's a great exercise. It's a great exercise even to, uh, to share with your kids. And I actually got this from, from a pastor friend of mine. He grew up very poor, and uh, he said that's what he's asking his kids from a very young age. Okay, so I give you a million. What are you going to do? And if they don't spend it correctly, just with the virtual money that he has given them, he says, hey, you're not ready. You need to start praying. What should you do? What is, what is God placed on your heart? What, what's the correct way of spending money? So, biblically speaking, we have three things that we can do with money. One, and that's the highest priority when it comes to biblical spending, is give. Two, invest or save. Invest also means 
building a business that can generate income, saving, getting sustainable income so that uh, you can give more away, and then spend. By the way, that's also biblical. You're allowed to spend. And you're allowed, if you're married here, you're allowed to spend money on your wife. You're allowed to spend money on your kids. You're allowed. I'm sick and tired of hearing wives complain and say, hey, my, my husband, they, he can spend it on a car, he can spend it on a business, but he cannot even take me out for dinner. Or he cannot take me on a holiday. By the way, men, if you're preparing to get married, understand at least the amount of money that you have spent on your car the year you need to spend on your wife. At least. They're just saying that your wife's on an equal level than your, than your car. And you know that you should spend more than that. Amen. All the wives go? Amen. And also there, there are people that have, that have come to me and they've, they've made a lot of money, given a lot of money away, and then they feel guilty to go overseas on a holiday trip. That's also, you need to rid of that attitude, that mindset, that you feel guilty to spend money, if that is within your budget, obviously. If that is within your, in your budget. Okay, so that's just the start. <laughs> so Jesus spoke a lot on money. 11 out of the 40 parables are about money. So, so those were stories that God used, Jesus used to allow for us to understand kingdom living. And 11 out of the 40, he's using money as an example to teach us something. So what is, what is Jesus doing? He says, all of, all of the people where the, where the tacky hits the tar is where we speak about money. All of you in this week, you had to plan where you're going to spend money. You, you were going to the grocery shop and you were thinking, okay, what should I buy? Maybe you were buying a gift for somebody. Maybe you're thinking of studying next year. Maybe you're thinking of expanding your business. What did you think of? You thought of money. And Jesus, what Jesus is saying, I want to get into that place. Because I know, just like that song goes, money makes the world turn around. But I know that if we can utilize it for the kingdom, we will have great impact as the church. And that's what Jesus is saying. So we need to talk about money. So I grew up when I was, I was young. My dad would often say that, don't judge him. It now changed a lot. He is... He's been delivered of that poverty spirit. But he would say, hey, there's no money. He would often say, no. We would say, hey, we want a new tennis racket or a new cricket bat or rugby ball. No, no, there's, there's no money. So that's how, how I grew up. And then my wife and I, Cornell and I, we decided we're never going to use that phrase, there's not enough money. Sometimes there's definitely not enough money. But we're not going to use, we're not going to teach it to our kids. Why? Because I, we teach our kids that, that there's, there's always lack. But what we need to teach our kids is you have the ability with the Lord to actually create wealth. And we're going to look at that scripture. So now it's a little bit of a problem in our home because they, they don't think about that there's not enough money. They are making plans to, to make money. So Eva is currently busy setting up stall almost every week. And she would stop cars driving past. The other day, Etta also was found there in the road. She had to stop and buy jewelry. I can't remember what they were selling. The other day, Eva got some dog treats, and she was selling it to the owners walking the dogs in the park. <laughs> like, brilliant. 
she found, she found old caps that I, I, I used to just put labels. She found them, and they were selling them to people in a, at, a, at a, a church picnic. Um, so they set up, set up stall, sold lemonade. I don't know what was in that lemonade, so I, there should be a warning, a disclaimer there. But then little Julia, she realized that they are now wanting to make money. So Julia went around literally going to people, Wim, one of the rounds I believe. One of the rounds I believe. Because she's now trying to help her sister. So she came to Christian over here. And then Christian just handed her one of the rounds. So she went back to her sister and said, hey, listen here, I have 100 rand. So Eva's... She was saving up for, uh, for a bicycle. And we said to her, hey, listen, you can, you can buy a bicycle, but you're going to work for it. You're going to do this business and you're going to make money. So we bought her some uh, loose leaf rooibos tea from Van Reinsdorp. We still have a lot left, by the way. So if you want to get some rooibos loose leaf from us. And then we said, okay, from the netto profit, net profit, you can then buy yourself a bicycle. We're trying to teach her some business lessons. End up. We gave her the Bruto, and then she bought herself a bicycle. Because we, obviously, we feel for her. She's working hard, selling it to everybody, and then we bought her a bicycle. So where do I, where do I get that from? Where do I get that from? Hey, I want to help my kid to actually attain a blessing that she really wants. It's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. God wants to bless you, and He wants to bless you financially. Some of you don't believe this. God wants to bless you financially. And by the way, if you have a cell phone, you're already very wealthy in terms of the average in the world. So we're already very wealthy. But God wants to bless you. And and there's a few things that we can apply from Scripture to utilize wealth for God's kingdom, to utilize wealth for blessing in other people's lives. Okay, so Deuteronomy we going to look at Deuteronomy 8, so you can turn your Bibles to there. And I would really get into Deuteronomy. It's a good book. So it's, it's God giving Moses the framework with which, with uh, like a framework to receive the blessing once they're in the promised land. So they're not in the promised land, but God's already talking to them about the blessing that's about to come. And I want to speak, if you're you're a young person here, some of you are going to make a lot of money and you need to get these principles down already from a young age. I'm fighting with Rikas because the youth are not into tithing yet. I'm like, hey, how can we not get the youth? Why are they not tithing? What if they now, once they're 24 and they're billionaires, how are they going to learn to tithe? Kids' church. Kids' church. We need to start a kids' church. (laughs) I remember that was his argument. It's Cornell's fault. But if you're not stewarding in the way that you're going to, and living according to the principles of the word while, you have, while you're suffering, while you have lack, how are you going to be able to manage wealth? How are you going to be able to manage blessings? So you need to start small and then work yourself up. It's always that one day when I have a million rand, one day when that bullion comes, then I'm going to start that orphanage. Then I'm going to give away to life community. Then I'm going to tithe. No, you need to start now. If it's one rand, it's one rand. There's a, there's a lady in our church, she EFTs every single cent, a tithe of every single thing that she, and she's an entrepreneur, so she often sells stuff, into our bank account. So it's like 123 rand and 40 cents. Love it. 
Love it. Why? Because she's stewarding what God has blessed her with so that one day when that big ship arrives, she'd be able to do it. Okay, so Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. So think of this as preparation for the promised land that will bring the blessing. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down. So by the way, that's not a bad thing. To build a fine house and to settle down. Many of you, many of your parents came to George to build a fine house and to settle down. That's a good thing. But remember there's, with the blessing comes a responsibility. And when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is who he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to you, your ancestors, as it is today. So God's telling Moses to tell the Israelites, hey, listen here, blessing is about to come. But you need to prepare your hearts for blessing. Because one of the things that comes with blessing is corruption of the heart. Because you now have comfort. And if you have comfort, you don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to ask anymore. You don't want to give credit to the Lord. The best place to be often is a poor man on his knees. Hey, Lord, I'm struggling. I need to get through this month. I need you. But once it comes, then often the poor man becomes rich. And, hey, I've achieved this. I don't need the Lord anymore. And many of my friends have lost their way. I've studied with them. We prayed together. We've seen many people saved. And then the moment they become wealthy, the moment they receive that riches, that promised land, they forget about Jesus. They forget about Him. And let it not be with anyone sitting in this room. So this is literally as they're leaving Egypt, God saying, hey, I'm taking you to the promised land. Do not forget. Do not forget me. And the conundrum is, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness Everything else will be added to you. And that everything else includes riches, wealth. So if you start applying these principles, then you're going to start getting blessed. But once that blessing comes, you need to keep on applying the principle. And I love that last verse, especially this bit, where it says, and so confirms His covenant. So He has given us... The ability to create wealth, and it confirms his relationship with us. Just like me wanting Eva to have a bicycle, wanting her to be an entrepreneur, sell those dog treats to everybody and everyone, and for her to be blessed, it's God's heart to bless you with the ability to create wealth, because he is a father, wants you to be blessed. Okay, so that's, that's the bottom line of of tonight, so now we're going to look at a few at a few things about wealth that's really important. One is, it is God that gives you the power to create wealth. Therefore, 
wealth is good. If God gives you the ability to do something and to achieve something, then that achievement, that product, that fruit, it is good. But there's also a but. But it is not the ultimate sign of being blessed. I cannot, I cannot say because Delano is richer than me, therefore Delano is more blessed than me. Or I want to be rich because I want to be blessed by the Lord. That's not how it operates. Our king, the king of the universe, came down and he said the following words, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And all of us make, must make this commitment to the Lord. Lord, I'd rather choose nothing, no riches at all, no money at all, no house, no policy nothing of that. I choose you. I'm willing to live like Jesus lived. But wealth is a good thing. And the second point is wealth is an opportunity for worship. One of the most selfish things that you can do is to say, I do not need more money. I'm going to say this again. One of the most selfish things you can say is you can say, I do not need money. Some of you are hearing what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that money means, like we already said, money means that you are blessed. Money is seeking money, seeking God, and it, it's really important that you go after money. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is all of you have been in a position where you have a family member without a house, or a family member that can't pay school fees, or somebody that you know that you're walking a road with, and you're like, man, if I only had one million rand now straight to put down, I, knew, I know these people will steward it well, they have integrity, and they will be a good fruit of my investment. But I don't have that money now currently. So to be unselfish, we need to steward wealth according to scriptures so that we can get to that place when we are confronted with that person in need, we can say, you know what? I have a plan for you. I can help you. We can help you. We can, we can allow for poverty to be eradicated in George because we have stewarded wealth in a good way. So it is opportunity for worship. It's an opportunity to give. Proverbs 3 verse 9, 10 says this through Solomon, God speaking, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new, new wine. So there's a promise connected to honoring, honoring the Lord. But the principle that I want to take out of here is that if you have wealth, you can honor the Lord. God says you can honor the Lord with your wealth. If you have something, if you have fruit for your labor, then you can worship the Lord. You can worship the King of Kings with your wealth. In Genesis 4, 2 to 5, it's a story of Cain and Abel. Cain, just take some of, some of, his, some of the produce and he offers this to the Lord. And then Abel comes and he gives of his, the firstborn of his flock, and we know that Cain's sacrifice offering was rejected, but Abel's offering was accepted. 
because Cain gave just out of his flock. But Abel gave the best. He gave as a sacrifice. He gave as worship unto the Lord. He wanted to honor the Lord with his, with his first fruit. So when wealth is, is in your, when you have wealth, you can worship the Lord. And then to be wealth can help others to worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 13, Paul is he's trying to tell the church in Corinth, hey, listen here, we are doing a great job at discipling nations. And maybe you'd think the same. Hey, listen here, when you read Paul's story, he's pretty good at what he's doing. It's a great investment to invest in Paul's life. So Paul is telling the church in Corinth, hey, what we are doing is great, and you better invest in us. And this is the reason why you need to invest in us. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And it's very important. Sometimes God will give you seed. In other words, seed. You can't eat seed. You must plant it. You must sow it. You must give it away. But then sometimes he will give you bread. If you sow bread, you're just stupid. You need to take and you need to live from it. You need to spend it on your wife, on your children, on the people that you love, on a house, on a hobby. You need to spend it. God's into that too. And then verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many, many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So Paul's saying, hey, if you give to us, then at the end of this process, at the end of our ministry, there will be a little one, there will be a grandma, there will be a child, there will be a gentile, there will be an unsaved person, an atheist, they will say, thank you, Jesus, I have heard the gospel. And therefore, like, I'm not ashamed to ask you guys to sow into these organizations, but also to bring the whole tithe into this church. Because I know what we are currently seeing is that people are meeting with Jesus, and at the end of your contribution, there is a soul that's saying, thank you, Jesus, for show for George. Thank you, Jesus, for freedom. There's a youth that's saying, hey, thank you, Lord. I have met with you through youth. This last while has been amazing. Hopefully most of you have heard that song that Rikus and Delanu and Marlies have released. I've, I'm just getting these messages of people saying, I've had an encounter with the Lord through a worship song written by 16-year-olds. Amazing. One lady was in the hospital and she was... She made the girl in hospital, lady in hospital, listen to the song and the presence of the Lord entered that room while she was listening to a song written by 16-year-olds. So this weekend, or the whole week, we actually had an encounter week. So encounter, 
It's the old encounter three. It's called destiny encounter where we help people to redeem their past, get rid of their issues, um, and also see how God wants to turn that around. And then also uh, encounter four, the freedom encounter where we help people to break strongholds in their life, those cycles in your life. So at the end on Saturday, there was a lady that journeyed with us for the whole week. She stood up and she said in front of everybody, I had an abortion and God delivered me of the shame of an abortion in front of everybody. And I personally saw how that forgiveness came into her life, how that demon left. So you just sowing into Show for George, into this ministry, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through time investing, or just inviting people to something like an encounter week, you have seen the fruits of your labor by one lady saying, I have been rid of the shame of a horrible act that I committed because abortion is basically killing somebody. And that's the weird thing of being a pastor. We're like, no, abortion is wrong. You just never do abortion. But then people who have done it, who have been basically deceived into doing it, come out with and say, hey, Lord, I want forgiveness. Then God comes and he says, you are forgiven. As it, it is as if you have never killed that baby. And then we can rejoice with them. Please pray for me. It's a difficult job. The one I'm you and you be hard on. This is the truth. Abortion is wrong. And then at the same time, you allow people to receive forgiveness and freedom. So that's what Paul's saying. So invest where at the end of this process of ministry, you will see a harvest of people giving thanks to the Lord. That's what Paul's saying. So we allow others to worship. And then thirdly, wealth under Satan is a curse. Wealth under God is a blessing. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And that rich, it's actually talking about financial riches. So it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So once you align yourself with the will of the Lord, and you bring your wealth, your ability to create wealth under the Lordship of Jesus, there's no added sorrow. But if you allow for yourself to serve the the Lord of Mammon, if you allow to be greedy in your life, then you're going to suffer sorrow. The four richest men in the world, what do they have common except for billions and billions of dollars? Divorce, broken relationships, sorrow. They can give me 150 billion, thousand billion, 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 billion rand. I will not sacrifice my marriage for that amount of money. Because wealth ultimately defined by the Bible is to have a relationship with the Lord and to have a relationship with people. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, Paul's speaking to his protege and he's saying, hey, listen here, I need to talk to you about money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself, but the love of money. In other words, greed. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and pierced themselves with many griefs. Because you know what? Money can do a lot of things. It can do a lot of things. It can do a lot of things for the kingdom, but it also can do a lot of things for darkness. And one of the, the easiest traps to fall into when you have a lot of wealth is that you start buying your comfort. And once you start buying your comfort, you become comfortable. And if you're in that comfort zone, then you struggle to be obedient. Because now the most important thing in your life is just to own your house in George, in Wilderness, in the Southern Cape, in the Garden Route, to have your two and a half children with you and your dog. And nobody should interfere. Nobody should touch us. I don't want anything that's going to make my life uncomfortable. I've suffered all those uncomfortable things sacrificing at the altar of mammon and I made all this money and now I'm going to live with my yacht and my wife forever in comfort. So it's dangerous. But we do need people in the church that are willing to cross that bridge and to say, I'm willing to pioneer a healthy lifestyle while being wealthy. And there are people in South Africa that's already doing it. The biggest philanthropist in South Africa is a guy called, or in Africa, is a guy called Francho Fanikak. He has given away in 2017, these are official stats, 140 million rand. And it started off like this. He was doing a business deal. He had a small IT company, and he was about to go bankrupt. These guys phoned him and said, hey, we're going to stop the contract. And while he's on his way to this business meeting, he said, Lord, I'll give you 30% of my company if you come through for me today. And he said it was a great deal because he was actually in debt. So God got a company 30% of a company that's in debt. Amazing deal. And then God came through, and he's, he's now at 70%. He's giving away 70% at Mergon Foundation. You can actually go and read up about that. So wealth under Satan, a curse. Wealth under God, a blessing. We can see many things done for the kingdom. There are currently friends of ours that are dealing with the government in Guinea and Conakry, and they're trusting the Lord for $20 billion dollars. Because they want to build infrastructure, they want to build stadiums, they are about to receive the contract to build stadiums for the African Cup of Nations in 2025 or 2026. And I, I, I just say to them, thank you for sharing this with me, because I love the fact that there are people willing to put, that, put out their faith for $20 billion dollars. And their idea is not only to create wealth for themselves, but to actually to impact that nation. Why not? Why not? And then, so how do we, how do you keep your finances under the Lordship of Jesus? A couple of principles from Deuteronomy, but also from the rest of Scripture. First principle First fruit principle, Proverbs 3, verse 9, we already touched on that. But the first fruit principle says, whatever you get, first give to the Lord. Not spend first and then maybe at the end of the month, oh, I'll see what I have left, then I'll give. Why? 
Why the first? Because it involves faith. If you're going to give before the end of the month, if you're going to give at the beginning of the month, you don't know. You're not sure if you really will have enough. What if the car breaks? What if the washing machine breaks? What if your, if your wife wants to go for a pedicure? You don't know. So first, so first the Lord. First give to Jesus. And then the second principle, Malachi 3, verse 6 to 12, it says, bring, in, bring the full tithe into the store, storehouse and you will see or test God in this, that he will open up the heavens for you and he will pour down, rain down, blessing on your life. So you need to figure out where your storehouse is. And the storehouse back, back then was the, was the Levitical quarters where ministry was being done and where people serving the Lord where they were stationed and people would bring their tithe into the storehouse so that they can receive ministry, so that they can uh, see that all the sacrifices and everything around the te- revolving around the temple will be done in a correct manner. So if this is your local church, then I want you to be able to trust us with the tithe of your finances. If you can trust us with your heart, but you're going to trust us with your finances, you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. Because your heart's a lot more precious, but you're already trusting us with your, with your heart. And it's, it's biblical. Go and study the Scripture. Go and read about it. So the tithe principle. But then also, and those things are difficult things to do, to keep the Lordship of Jesus on your finances. I agree. The last one is even more difficult. Stewardship. Matthew 25, it's parable of the talents or gold coins. One receives five, one receives two, the other one. The one who receives five, he makes it into ten because of his stewardship, because of his acumen, because of his ability given to the, by the Lord to him. He has the ability to make double it. And then we see that the one that only receives one, he just... He puts it in the ground and keeps it there. And when the boss comes back, the boss is angry at him and then gives the one that he received, gives it to the guy who made extra five. And now that guy has 11. So what is God teaching us? He says, whatever you have, if it's a skill, if it's a job, even if you don't like your job, if it's you studying, you in school, you need to work hard at it. Don't be lazy. You need to steward whatever you have. And by the way, time is one of the most precious commodities. If you're not stewarding your time, you cannot expect God to bless you. If you're not willing to work hard, you cannot expect God to bless you. It's difficult. Are you going to find, you're going to start off, if you're young, you're going to, Maybe get a degree or maybe you're going to start a business and you're going to start doing these simple verkis. Maybe cleaning a kitchen. Maybe filing stuff for your, for your boss. And you're like, but I, I'm, more, I'm worth more than this. Exactly, you are worth more than this. But you need to start somewhere and you need to be able to teach yourself discipline. You need to work hard. You need to be, show yourself that you are faithful in the little as God says in Luke 16, and then I will give you the responsibility over the much. 
But you need to start somewhere. So stewardship is difficult. A lot of us want, we want all the money, but we don't want to work hard. You have to work hard. If that means that you need to wake up at 4 o'clock and go to bed at 12, do it. Work your quiet time in 3 to 4 and then start working from 4 o'clock and then you go straight through, maybe eat a little bit of lunch and then sleep. Just keep your priorities right. Relationships with your close family, most important, after your relationship with the Lord. And then also you need to do everything in service of the Lord, not in service of mammon. Not because you're scared you're not going to have finances. But if you start doing that, working hard, applying those principles, first principle, tithing principle, and you work hard, God will bless you and He will reward you. And you know what? You're going to stand back and you're going to look at the finances that God has helped you to create and you're going to see, wow, I can have an impact with these finances. I can build a business. I can put infrastructure down in Africa. I can see many people come out of poverty but you need to apply these things. Else, else, else. And this is what God's saying in Deuteronomy. You're going to be destroyed by the blessing that actually comes from the Lord, but you are not actually at the place to receive it. So I want to pray, Lord, keep blessing away from the people that cannot handle it. Rather keep people poor. Rather keep me poor. But Lord, I want to build my character. I want to invest in the acumen that I've already received. I want to build my skill sets. I want to work hard. I want to be disciplined. So that once that blessing arrives, and it will arrive when you seek God and His kingdom first, then I will be able to steward it well. And the end of my life, my family would say, wow, the wealth was a blessing to Amor. Because he loved us even better. He loved the Lord even better. And look what the Lord has done through Alma's life. Or through that business's life. Amen. I want, I want uh, Lene just quickly share a testimony and then we're going to do altar call and then we're going to worship. Hi guys, so my name is Lene and I'm part of a... <laughs> of being a part of a ministry in Potosturum and I had the privilege to sit in multiple meetings where I saw great acts of generosity like never before and I remember um, I'm just going to share the specific one but a few weeks ago we were raising money for a project that um, we need a lot of money for and so we're sitting in a room literally on our base where all of us stay so we're a bunch of missionaries and we're um, from 19 years to 40 years old, which the majority in their 20s, like me. Um, and we're just like trusting God. We believe that this is what He's saying to us and we want to raise funds. So we um, create a moment to give. We create a moment to be radically generous. And so we just wait on the Lord. We ask Him, how much can we give? And all of us just go and say how much we feel the Lord said we should give. And at the end of 15 minutes, we raised 1.1 million rand for this project from a bunch of missionaries. So praise Jesus. Amen. So my wife and I, we, we're raising funds for a new car. Okay, we're going to go. 
I'm just, no, I'm joking. But what we need, I want you to tap into, into that. They are, if you go and visit them, most of them between the ages of 20 and 25, young people. And they, they know that there's no limit to our God. Not even, there's not a financial limit in our God. And we need to get that wealthy, wealthy mindset to know that once we, if we put our faith together, we can actually get to, to that place where we fund a project. They didn't ask for funders from the outside, just in that room. Amen. Okay, let's stand. Worship band, if you can come up. By the way, if you, if you leave early and you want to spend some money on, on good projects, you can do it by just writing your name and cell phone number also down. Some of them have space for your cell phone number and name. Others don't. Um, and then put it in the box there at the back. But I, I want us to just to pray a very simple prayer, but it's a, it's a scary prayer. Okay, the first prayer, not that scary. Second prayer, very scary. First prayer is this. Can you pray this with me? Okay. I'm going to lead you. You just need to follow me. You don't know what you're going to say, but it's going to be biblical, and it's a good prayer. Okay. It's this prayer. Lord, help me to bring the Lordship of Jesus into my finances. Okay. We're going to pray that again. Lord, help me. To bring the Lordship of Jesus into my finances. Okay, now this scary prayer, and you're going to pray it on your own because I don't want to lead you into a scary prayer yourself. You need to commit this on your own. You need to ask the Lord if there's anything hindering His Lordship in the area of your finances. Anything. Could be that you... You never want to give money away. It could be that you're so fearful. It could be that you're lazy. You don't want to work. You're not a good steward. It could be that you, you never give out of the first fruit. It's always there at the end. Maybe if I have something, Lord, I'll tip you. Whatever it might be. But ask the Lord, and when He answers you, some of you are already getting that answer. You just say, Lord, I'm going to rectify this in this coming month. Holiday season is coming up. I'm going to want to spend money and lots of different things, but I'm going to choose to bring the Lordship of Jesus into my finances, even in this difficult month. Okay, so we're just going to give a few moments for that. Just, just have that conversation with Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus, that you're speaking to us. Thank you that your truth pierces our hearts. It's not always comfortable, but we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're reminding us of just the power of serving you and allowing for you to speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that we'll have the guts to follow through with our repentance. I ask that we'll have, that you'll have grace on us, Lord, that you will empower us to follow through with this confession of putting you first, even in our finances. We, we walk away from the altar of mammon where we've often sacrificed, whether it's family members, family time, maybe in time with you, quiet time. We walk away from that altar and we come to the altar of the living God and we say, Lord, again, all of, all of us, everything that we have, we put it on this altar and we say, thank you, Jesus. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be sacrificed on this altar because it's by our own admission. It's the expression of our free will, Jesus. And then before we go into worship, I want you to just allow God to start speaking to you about those multi-billion dollar ideas. You know, I had a conversation with friends. You said, hey, this is what I will do. But some of you actually had crazy, cool ideas. And, it's, and it was not a thought from, from your mind. It was actually a thought from heaven. And you just bring that thought to the Lord. Lord, I think it would be great if we can do this in my generation. Just have that conversation with the Lord. Say, Lord, that orphanage, that mission station, that business infrastructure project, that family, the school, just bring it to Jesus. He's listening. Lord, I ask that you now take all these, all these ideas, that you put them together, God, and that you save them in our minds, that you save them in our hearts, Lord. And, and we ask that those ideas that are from you, that you will water them through the Spirit, that in this week there will be confirmation, that we will know that the right people will connect with the right people, that there will be an acumen, acumen resource kind of center where, where we can go to, but just in, in the spirit. And then we'll eventually start building stuff, Lord, and, and that these dreams will become true. And ultimately, it won't be a brand. It will be, won't be a name. It will be a faceless, nameless generation that will point to Jesus and say, God has given me this ability, and therefore I'm giving this to the kingdom. And Lord, this is not about Shofar George. This is not about a specific church. This is about the capital C church in this city, in South Africa, Lord. And you said, not even the gates of Hades, the strongest power in all of the world, will be able to stand against the church, Lord. And we're trusting now, Lord, that you'll take us into the wealth mountain, into the economy mountain, into the business mountain, and that you will start using us using our acumen, using our skills, using our sacrifice to the glory of Jesus Christ. 
So we're going to go into, into worship. If you want to spend some time with the Lord on your knees here in front, if you want to lay flat on your face, repenting, if you need somebody to pray for you, you're welcome to come to the front, tap me on the shoulder, say, oh, I need prayer. But let's give it all to Jesus right now. And then 22.8, you're welcome to leave. Those of you who need to leave, we're going to carry on worshiping the King of Kings.